All right. It's been a long time since we've done a podcast, and in that time, a lot of things have gone down. Real quick for reference, when was the last time you did a podcast? The last time we did one was September 1st. Wow. Also step a little bit closer to the mic, Brody. Um, We have Brody here, if you couldn't tell. Uh, You probably remember him from our... Dinner time pod, yeah. Yeah. Oh, everybody, all twelve. I don't know how many people actually listen to this. Generous estimate. iTunes (laughs) doesn't actually tell me, but yeah, that was the last time that we did one of these podcasts, and it's been busy. I think today was probably the craziest day in NBA Twitter history. Like, well, that went insane. No, Twitter history in Twitter history. Yeah. Dude, you know, for Twitter NBA was Twitter. invented when LeBron went to Miami, right? Yes, but it wasn't, like, that big then. DeAndre Jordan Day was pretty close with all of those emojis. But um, just today, um, Trump disinvited Steph Curry from the White House, which everybody was going about insane it. about. Yeah. The NBA was flaming him for, like, two or three hours, I mean, and then out of nowhere... Carmelo Anthony just got traded to the Thunder, yeah, and I, know where I am <laughs> a Thunder fan. Brody is a, a Knicks fan who's not very happy with his team, but we'll get into all of that later. Um, for now, we're going to start with the winner-loser moron of the week, just like we always do, and Liam, do you want to start this one out? Um, yeah, I'll start with my winner. Okay. Um, so... Here's the thing. Um, I think that my winner has to be Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons. Um, because over the years, we've seen teams like the Carolina Panthers take a take a loss in the Super Bowl and just come out the next year and just look completely flat, just right. like down on the you know down on themselves and Super Bowl not have over. the confidence that they need to go out and perform on you know every Sunday. Right. So for me. Them going and beating the Green Bay Packers the way that they did recently mm-hmm. shows me that they are exactly where they left off from last year. Literally one one single play away from being Super Bowl champions. Like mm-hmm. one play. And I think that shows a lot about Matt Ryan because Matt Ryan is that kind of he's been a borderline elite guy for kind of a while now. Right. Uh, last year kind of you know upped his ante and basically gave him recognition as an elite quarterback mm-hmm. and I think he's right back where he left off with the same weapons the same offense and the defense actually got a little better so I think that the way they've been performing and the way they look I expect to see the Falcons in the Super Bowl again and I, I think Matt Ryan and the Falcons are winners for this week okay yeah no that's definitely fair I think that while some teams have been terrible as you said after losing Super Bowls, they seem to be more motivated. They have clearer heads, and they're ready to be back there this year or in well, the near future. And also, one thing I forgot to mention is that they lost their offensive coordinator too. Right, they went to coach in San Francisco. So that's a that's a big change in itself because I, mm-hmm. I think I saw a stat earlier in the year that showed how bad Atlanta was the last time they switched offensive coordinators, and so far they've shown absolutely no sign of you know taking detriment from taking detrimental hits from changing the changing of an offensive coordinator mm-hmm. and uh, I think it shows a lot of adversity for them as a team 
Also, should have something about Dan Quinn. Dan Maybe. Quinn, yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, he's doing great for sure. All right, you want to move on to the loser? Um, yeah, sure. So, my loser. Fuck, I forgot my loser. <laughs> 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 oh, all right. Alright, so my loser for this week will have to be Ezekiel Elliott. Ooh. Um, yep, good choice. And because, partially because he's on my fantasy football team. Whoops. And partially because Tom Brady rushed for more yards than him <laughs> in week two. Now, Man. as you know, Tom Brady is the fastest player in the league, so obviously you can expect that. Of course. But, I mean, it's not something you see every day. So, Dustin Colquitt probably has him beat, but other Dude, than Dustin him, Cole definitely. Dust is easy. Oh, he's, he would dust. Oh, that was terrible. I'm sorry. Um, there definitely was an issue with him not getting the blocks he needed. Denver's defensive line just completely crashing on the offensive line and having no room to run. Uh-huh. But I also just, when you pick up on these things from watching sports a lot, I noticed that he, and LaDainian Tomlinson comments it on this a little bit, but he looked like he just didn't want to be there. Right. And if you've he ever gave up. seen an athlete that just, you know, once things aren't going their way, they put their head down, they sit by themselves on the bench, it's just not a good look because, I mean, considering, obviously I'm biased here, but the Patriots last year in the Super Bowl were down 28 to 3. Not one player on that bench sulked on the bench. They all Wait, were they? Up and got the job they were down 28-3? I don't know if anyone I didn't know that. that. Yeah, Yeah, actually, that's a... Um, I might be the only person... I'm amazed you remember that. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know that ever. I haven't seen no. that, like, all over anything. Yeah, I... Personally, I, I, I'm that's just me. I, I look really hard in these Right. So. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, so for me, it was just a little aggravating to watch him just quit on his team a little bit. And there right. are going to be well, he didn't really play, he just didn't have a good game. The guy quit. He did, there was a play where Dak Prescott threw an interception, and Zeke stood there with his hands on his hips and didn't even attempt to tackle the guy that was returning for, that was returning the interception. That's awful. It's just not a good look, and if that's going to be the face of your franchise, and he already has some questions behind his attitude, and right. you know, with the whole domestic abuse thing. That is a fair point, and uh, no one might know, but I am not one to defend Zeke, but... Uh, <laughs> On a play where you have him running out, what was that, like a 25-yard route or something like that? I mean, also the fact that he's been working all game. I think it's okay to take a playoff sometimes. Maybe not in that situation, but, like, overall, I don't think that's a terrible thing, or at least not as bad as it might seem. Um, But I do agree that Zeke did not look like he wanted to be there at all, like, throughout the entire game. Although that one play, that one example, isn't really the best example of that. I, but I want to counter that and say that, and, and obviously, again, Patriots bias, but if <laughs> Bill Belichick saw what Zeke did on that play, regardless of who Zeke is and how good he is, he would be benched for that, and I guarantee that. That's just the way it is. All right. Nolan is also one who would know that I'm not someone to defend Jerry Jones, but he's a very <laughs> similar also, guy. Every single play, if you are getting paid millions of dollars to play your sport, you should have hustle in everything you do. I, I'm with William on that one. I mean, I agree with that. Take some consideration, and it wasn't like forgot um, you were here, like Connor. Yeah. It wasn't that Chris Harris Jr. wasn't that far away either from where Zeke was. Zeke just didn't even move. He did say in his press conference that like he just was upset at himself and not only his teammates as well. 
But like he was just upset with the whole game in general, and that's not an excuse to not hustle. Now I'm taking away inside on this because, like he said, you're getting paid millions of dollars to play the game that you've been training and performing for the people, and that's bad on the Cowboys because that doesn't just. Make it's a business, though. At the same time, like it's not all for the people. Like exactly. it's not an entertainment. The way people look at the game, they're gonna look at it as. I'm a Cowboys fan, and I don't like how my best player is playing. And right. it's kind of deflating for them, even though they're getting killed. Mm-hmm. The lack of effort just makes it look even worse. The way I look at it is millions of people would die to be in the spot that Zeke is and have the talent that Zeke has. And it's a little upsetting for me to watch him just quit and give up and show out his bad attitude when his team wasn't really down by that much. They went down early, but you can't say the game was over. When, when that play it wasn't happened. over until, like, later in the game. Like, at halftime, what was the score? Like, 21-7 or something? Right. In the second half, they just got blown out. Right. Gave up on his team. And, and he did. Yep. I feel like more than anything else, though, that's just an issue of a young player not necessarily maturing like he should. And... Odell Beckham kind of does the same thing from time to time, I think. Like, he's not a a very mature player. There's a difference between him and Odell, though, that's very clear. And that Odell at least shows, and, I mean, look, Odell has his problems. It's very true. Although, the guy always wants to win, and he always wants to play. That is why he is there, and he knows that. Zeke also doesn't go on boats with Trey Songs. We don't know that. (laughs) We don't know that. That's true. When was the last time time they had a playoff game that... uh, like I mean, like last year, I was gonna say they made the playoffs I was, last year. I was gonna say that was just crucial, and also the fact that <laughs> they also have like eh, that's not a good point. What I mean is Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett are a very different kind of. Actually, I like John Mara, but Ben McAdoo is. You know, let me get into McAdoo later. Yeah, we'll get into, I'll ben get into McAdoo, McAdoo later. later. Okay, but my point is that I think that the Cowboys are all have always had a kind of like like a '90s Raiders idea of mm-hmm. just like look, your personal stuff doesn't really matter as long as you win, and he didn't show up, and that's, you know, that's when they have a problem with it. Right. Even though Zeke is a dirtbag, but that doesn't, you know. (laughs) That's fair. All right, that's probably it for Zeke. Liam, do you want to move on? Yeah, uh, so my moron of the week, and, you know, this will kind of extend past this week, would have to be NBA uh, 2K18. (laughs) Um, <laughs> the reason why, I'm going to try and keep this clean and not explicit, even though I want You can do whatever you want. We have probably 27 <laughs> listeners. I don't think so, any of them are going to be mad at us. Yeah, please. Um, NBA has a My Player uh, where you can create a player. <laughs> I know where we're going with this. You can make him into the superstar <laughs> that you want him to be, and you can kind of create your own journey. More mm-hmm. service staff. Um, <laughs> what they did this year, which is fine, they added more like of a story mode type deal into it to give it you know, new features and make it so it's not just you simply playing game. And I guess I like that idea. Wait, real quick, hold on, sorry, what is the name of the game? NBA um, 2K18. To NBA 2K18, what do you what do you do in a game that's based around basketball? <laughs> 
play basketball. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So wait, what were you saying in like that it's uh they want you to not just do that in their game that's based around doing that? Well they just <laughs> try and add it. So they try and add like almost uh, a storyline element to your my player. Which they've done for probably five years. Great and all. But I'm not trying to talk to the janitor four times before every time I take the court. I'm not trying to get interviewed by fake analysts to talk about the imaginary game for four hours. I bought NBA to play basketball. I didn't buy it to talk to the janitor and imaginary people. Like, great. Like, I get it. Your friend, your friend, your friend people in the clubhouse and they want to, like, make that known. Why do I have to have a At what point does that turn into overkill, though? I think pretty quickly. It is. It is. It is so overkill. Yeah. I have spent more time in this game talking to the janitor and loading than I have actually playing the game. I paid 60 bucks for this stuff. I didn't pay 60 bucks <laughs> to have a storyline centered around a janitor and some annoying friend that you have that follows you around everywhere and talks <laughs> like about stuff that has nothing to do with passing. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, and then they go ahead and say, okay, let's, let's add, let's add like a, a marketplace where everyone, once you join online, you can walk around and there's a bunch of stores and you can do everything there. In last year's game, I had to click two buttons to change my outfit to buy BC to do whatever I needed to do to get my player better in the way I wanted to be. This year, they add this marketplace where I'm forced to run around the town with a max speed of, like, two miles Go up an elevator. I have to go up an elevator, which takes four hours to load just to get into my house. You have to talk have to, to, to the chauffeur. Which takes further loading just to put on the clothes that I had to buy at the store, which is located four hours down the road. Come on. My I didn't buy The Sims for NBA. Make some changes, 2K. My question for them Who do they envision purchasing this game, having to talk to the janitor? Having to run around for like ten minutes just to change out of your brown T-shirt and being like, you know, you know what we needed this. <laughs> Who, who's gonna do that? I into the barber shop to change my guy's hairstyle one time. <laughs> I proceeded to have a twenty-minute narrative with the imaginary barber. <laughs> they made me wait in line at the barber shop. They made me I wait in line. Time, and my guy looked like Jared Karabis, so I was like, <laughs> So I walked back in to get a haircut, literally, not exaggerating. After I walked out the door, I come back in and the game has a new storyline going out the barber. I mean, jeez, come on. Who's going to see these cutscenes and be like, this is, yes, we needed this. It took me 20 minutes to get a haircut in a video <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm done I just don't have anything else for this game I don't have anything else I don't think I, anyone does I, I really mean, you can go to the 2K arcade and play mini basketball Good Jersey, Good thing dude Well you know what Connor oh. That makes everything okay By the way <laughs> Excessive call for pass is a joke We bought this game We deserve to have the ball <laughs> <laughs> Like, 
I didn't pay $60 to watch Raymond Felton dribble the ball and not pass it to my guy. All right? To sum it up... It's an online team game, makes sense. Yeah, exactly. If I call for the ball, I should have the ball. It's my game. My player. Yes. It's my player. Yeah, it's not Raymond Felton's road to 99. He's never going to get higher than a 72. That's so. generous. Give me the... No, I think he's a 72. <laughs> but. Also, my last thing regarding 2K, they made Tech Bazemore look like he's in Motley Crue or something. <laughs> I don't know what is good with his hair. <laughs> <laughs> dude. <laughs> oh, my God. Connor, do you want to well, go? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, that that was a solid rant. I enjoyed that a lot. Now, I, well, all right, since we last podcasted to today, it's been 22 days. Mm-hmm. Now, I know this isn't legitimately correct, right. but my winner is going to be the Cleveland Indians here. Okay. I think it's a little outdated since they've gone on their huge win streak. I mean, ever since, like, I don't even know when it started. They've won 22 games in a row. Um, they did it with Jose Ramirez leading the Spark, well, like the Spark being the top guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a number of injuries, including Jason Kipnis and uh, Andrew Miller not playing. I mean, Brantley's been out, too. Brantley's been out. And Miller came back. During, they lost their rookie center fielder Zimmer during the process too I mean the Indians just proved that they're going to be they've shown like the Atlanta Falcons that their World Series but Super Bowl kind of lost because they lost in game 7 to an extra inning mm-hmm. so they've proven that they can get back to promised land and they didn't even have a lot of their good players that they had because Miller was the biggest piece of that puzzle last year to get them to where they needed to be. And with him out and they can and them doing this, nothing tells me that they can get back to the World Series. Now, I'm reading, and Nolan, you're going to love this fun fact that I found. Okay. Trevor Bauer pitched the... This fact is already not fun. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. your favorite pitcher, Trevor Bauer? Trevor Bauer has me blocked on Twitter. <laughs> so... Yes. Yes. For context, and he ended. This is the second time that he's ended a 22 game win streak. Um, the first time was in 2010 at UCLA. Mm-hmm. UCLA, they started off 22 and 0, and Trevor Bauer is the pitcher that lost that next game. Uh, so I think they just need to cut Trevor Bauer, and I think you would agree with me here. I think he's nothing but a loser. I think he should be like deported, honestly. Like, deported? Yep. I mean, yes, we can we can find something that like makes him. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, he's he's the worst. I mean, guys, let's be honest though. Regardless of how you think of him, he's still a formidable major league pitcher. There's no reason they should cut him. He did a fine. He was fine. Yeah. He's just, he's just an idiot. Is what the is what the issue is. That's true. I mean, I. This is. This was huge during the whole time like they were on this win streak. Like, isn't this the longest win streak without like a tie? Because I heard there was some controversy that the I can't remember what team, but like there's a tie that was in the middle of the win streak which delayed it after the twenty second game. 
that, and then they won, like, the 23rd game, like, right after that, something like that? I have no idea. <laughs> there was a tie. I remember hearing it. There was, like, a tie that, I it wasn't the Oakland Athletics, it was another team. Like, because back when nobody really focused more, ties just carried, like, if it was too dark, you just stopped the game. And it just counted as a tie. Mm-hmm. Before they have a whole action innings. I mean, this is the longest win streak that didn't have any stoppages in it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think the Indians deserve major credit getting this. And all of the games were pretty much exciting to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of just went off on a little bit of a candidate that it probably didn't matter, but. <laughs> okay. I mean, Who's your loser of the week? Uh, my loser of the week, and it kind of ties into my moron of the week, is John Fox and the Chicago Bears, and their absolutely brilliant performance against Tampa Bay, where they lost 29-7, Mike Lennon <laughs> threw two picks, okay. and he needs to be benched. Yeah, I don't know why he still starts there. He should uh, not start. Trubisky should the start. The only person that wants Mike Lennon yep. as a starting uh, QB is John Fox, and what are, everybody else wants to Trubisky to be started. That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> what is so fun? <laughs> the thing that's funny to me is that the Bears just had this gaping hole at quarterback, <laughs> and they were like, hmm, let's go sign a guy for more than Tom Brady's making that has, like, three professional starts with absolutely no tracker. That's like getting shot and trying to plug the hole with a chicken nugget. <laughs> <laughs> Trade up for a guy that's not necessary to trade up for because we still could have gotten him at his original spot. Who is, guess what position? A quarterback. So now they have Trubisky learning how to run 18 under the great Mike Glennon, who virtually has the same amount of experience as Trubisky. He's a dumpster fire. He is a literal dumpster fire that is making more money than I can ever see in my life. Now, I'm not saying I'm not going to make $15 million in my life, which is nice. But, like, dude, in earlier in the season after the preseason, John Fox said to the media that Mitchell Trubisky, quote-unquote, earned the number two starting job. No, he didn't. He earned the number one starting job. I don't care like, how much money you pay Mike Glennon to be the QB of the Chicago Bears. Like you said, he has no track record. He is literal garbage. Get the kid in there and win some football. Because Mike Lennon is making, like, the GV Saratoga Springs football team look good. Like, GV? KV? JV. KV? You said G. I said J. You said GV. You know what I mean. But, like... No, we don't. GV isn't a thing. John Fox and Chicago Bears organization, Mitchell Trubisky needs to start, and Mike Glennon needs to have the clipboards. Laura, you do yours. Don't, do you have your moron? You kind of you skipped your moron. I kind of combined them because John Fox is a moron. So okay, bro, did you want to go first? Actually, first? Um, yeah, sure. So uh, 
Do you want me to do winner, loser, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so my winner of the week is the Thunder. Hell yeah. Um, and it saddens me to say it because they literally just like stole Carmelo Anthony. I I <laughs> don't know how that deal was agreed to by literally anyone in the state of New York. Um, but Sam Presti's just a wizard. Like he's, he's yeah, magic, sure, that's why. Um, so. <laughs> The Knicks are also badly run. That's the, probably the Knicks are the Jets of the NBA, and it yeah. like it, it. Actually, I'd go so far as to say that the Jets are the Knicks of the NFL. Like at this point, the Knicks are just there's it's. I don't know it's why incomparably I still care bad. To root. It's it's just. Besides, the Yankees aren't doing very well right now. I'll just say that. That's true. Uh, no, they, they'll get the wild card then. Yeah, they've been bad so, for a while. Basically, New, New York, York sports are just in a great place right now yeah um, fantastic it's sad when like arguably the best team in the state is like the bills so the Rangers are gonna be good. <laughs> yeah the rangers are gonna be good um also that was joking but still we don't care about hockey on here point, exactly. <laughs> I do. point is fine you're the only one uh <laughs> point is the thunder got away with like murder on the knicks they fleeced them stealing big time carmelo anthony for enos canter um ennis what did I say? Enos? Enos. Eh, whatever. Um, Close enough. Doug McDermott also and a 2018 second rounder, just for context. Yeah, second round pick also. Whatever. Second round. Anyway. Um, all right. So I could talk about how the Knicks make me sad, but instead I'd rather talk about how the Giants make me sad. Okay. Um, the loser of the week is easily the Giants. Um, <laughs> because, uh, Nolan, I'm pretty sure you could block better than Eric Flowers. Um, that might not be just, true. Just I'm by pretty not small. being on the field. <laughs> uh, but, look, the Giants' offensive line is atrocious. This is nothing new. It's not Everyone good. has been saying this for three years, maybe. And, well, I do understand that, like, I, I feel like no one is saying this, but the fact that you look at um, a team like the Cowboys mm-hmm. four years ago it was when Romo was calling for uh, a better offensive line because he was getting pounded game after game. Mm-hmm. Um the Cowboys got a better offensive line um, within like two years, and the last year, last two years, they've been the best line in football. Actually, it might be for the last three. So, um, I don't know how they did that, and we can't do that. But I will say that the Giants did make um, tremendous leaps on defense last year, going from the worst defense or the second worst defense in the league to the best uh, within the last few weeks last season. So, I mean, that's obviously extremely impressive. And while you can't always have all of the progress you need at once. I mean, that's good to see, but we really need to do something, literally anything, about right. the offensive line. You did not need to draft Eli Apple. Granted, you did not know that you were getting um, – They that was before they signed, I think, Janoris Jenkins. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I'm pretty sure. Um, but the fact Evan that – Evan Ingram, too. Yeah, Evan Ingram, but I'm okay with that because, okay. look, the weapons that they got this offseason – it's fine. It makes it like it makes the Giants at least look like they're trying to do something better for the offense, and they mm-hmm. are. The problem is, if Eli has negative three seconds to throw the ball, those weapons are completely useless. There is no point to be to having a Brandon Marshall on the team, who his specialty that they brought him in for, as they called, was a Plaxico Burris, where Eli, if he's in trouble, when he's in trouble, his specialty is um, also dropping the ball. <laughs> the point is. Eli could have used Plaxico, or uh, Brandon Marshall as a Plaxico Bears kind of guy. If he's in trouble, he could just throw it up. Except Brandon Marshall has no time to get down the field at all, and that's he's just wasting him throwing into double coverage because that's it's easy to run double coverage when you don't have a running game so they don't have to worry about stacking the box. So 
the Giants just look completely inept. It's hurt to watch these last two games, and I might not watch in Philly because every Giants fan knows that when the Giants go to Philly, bad things happen. I'm pretty sure we haven't won in Philly in a long time, and it's just it's I'm I'm scared of what's gonna happen. <laughs> You're the it's first right. person to ever be scared of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I'll throw that out there. That's I'm okay with that because it shows something. What'd you say? Remember how I just said the defense is the good part? <laughs> they held Matt Stafford to less than 200 yards. Yeah, Carson Wentz isn't going for four. Carson Wentz is not Bro, going for four. Go for it. So after the game, Ben McAdoo's press conference. Yeah, threw Eli the under the bus. Man, that really got to me. That that because pissed me off more than anything that like that he said or done as a head coach or as a member of the New York Giants. The fact that he blamed that on Eli pisses me off to no end. That is, Eli is playing his freaking, like, mind, like, he's going crazy out there. The play when he was, he took a shot, he got absolutely planted by some dude on the, on the line, and he got off this weird wobbly pass to an open Sterling Shepard. It was one of the better plays I've seen from him in the last few years. And, look, there was also a play when Ezekiel, or, uh, not Ezekiel, uh, Ziggy Ansah was about to sack him. And uh, it looked like he got sacked by no one because he just grabbed his shoelace or whatever, and Eli took a dive. <laughs> and I'm fine with that because there was probably no downfield play. Eli is smart enough to know when to not, um, is smart enough to know when to take a hit and when not to. Case in point, when he literally got like like buried by some dude on the Lions D line. I think it also might have been Ziggy Ansa. Um, compared to when he goes down by, like, barely any contact. So, I mean, Eli is not somebody who shows ineptitude. He's one of the smarter quarterbacks in the league, um, contrary to popular belief, because uh, whatever, <laughs> aw, shucks, Eli. Shut up, Skip Bayless. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he is a very smart uh, quarterback. He knows football really well. And that's the fact that he blamed it on Eli, sure, there was some miscommun- or, uh, yeah, miscommunication on the, the line when they should have gotten off that play. But that's, you cannot pin that on Eli. Um, and then one thing that really annoyed me is that what what Ben McAdoo with you know Eli's regardless of what you think of him he's a two-time Super Bowl champion two-time Super Bowl MVP a pretty solid quarterback for a while now. yes mm-hmm. and it's all of famer for sure doesn't really have a huge track record but what are you hoping what yeah. are you hoping to accomplish by blasting your team's quarterback there's the nothing there good that can come of that Eli has been the only good part of this team he has been trying to do everything he can with an injured Odell Beckham and a line of turnstiles to try to protect him so I mean also Ben McAdoo was working in Green Bay when Eli showed up and beat him and that's and now he has the the gall to say that Eli is the problem that is horrible to me that's the last just, place he I was think- and that's I just think he's an idiot. Because, he is. I mean, if you have an issue with Eli, you take it up with Eli. You, right. You, you work together. You yes. Know, I mean, that is not sure something you say to the media in New York. You Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? No. Like, it's... So now, McAdoo's not asking to have the offensive line, but Eli's annoyed, the yeah. coach is annoyed, and now you have internal beef in the team. That's always the recipe. They, they refuse to address the offensive line, then he blames Eli. Right. That is just... Recipe for being hated. Hey, what's up? Hey, man. Um, that, like, I don't know. I mean... McAdoo's haircut could also be Yeah, he should probably spend league. less time using freaking <laughs> hair grease and more time looking at a playbook. Yeah, he should get a 2K haircut. <laughs> <laughs> that might take too long. He'd miss the next game. He can um, wait in line and then talk to the janitor. Yeah. 
Um, but here's here's the other thing. Um, look, so McAdoo also is not going to get fired after this season because the Giants are a team that like that loves consistency at the head coach position. So he's not going anywhere after this year. Next year, probably. Go ahead. No, he's oh. leaving. You. Oh, oh, sorry. I thought he was saying wrap up. <laughs> no, um, no, no. So yeah, McAdoo's not going anywhere. Um, at least not for another year. So, the Todd Bowles, on the other hand, well, that's the, the Jets are yeah. dumpster fire. Nope, so, um, the the Giants love consistency at the head coach position. We've had like I think eight over the course of our history or something crazy like that. So, I mean, the fact like I think I don't I still don't think Tom Coughlin should have been fired, but McAdoo probably needs to go. I would say as soon as possible. And I still like John Mara. I still like um, I can't remember his first name, but Tish. Those guys. I think they're good owners. I think they drafted overall pretty well, except for the Eli Apple thing a couple years ago. I think they should have drafted a tackle um, because it was clear even then that Eric Flowers was not working out. Um, but you know I who still else think that everyone else, Eli Apple's mom, <laughs> who didn't want him <laughs> she, in New York, she did not wear his jersey until he proved himself. His, not, and historically, wanted him in Miami too. Yeah, of course. Although probably um, not now after eight <laughs> hurricanes just Snook like took down Miami. Also took over down there. That's um, probably yeah. why Facet isn't on this podcast by the way. As you said, <laughs> I just love that yeah. he sent up like he just got back in the Florida and then Maria was on the way or Jose one of the Yeah, other. like <laughs> ran from somewhere near the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> <laughs> ran for his life from one hurricane. It cost him his fantasy baseball season cuz he couldn't check when he was running from a hurricane. <laughs> Gets all the way back to Florida. Who didn't have a game? <laughs> I think he was more worried about his ass getting out of Florida than his fantasy football lineup that no one got to put a flex. That was and Yahoo's no fault. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, also, I just want to point out one last thing. Uh, and I want to thank my brother for actually a few of these points. He had a, I listened to his podcast the other night, and he was like just as mad as I was, if not more. He has um, one too. Yes, he does. Oh, that's cool. Um, we should but, collab with him sometime. Oh yeah, that'd be sure. cool. I'll All talk right. to him about it. Uh, but yeah, so he he was the one who came up with the line of "You were coaching Green Bay when Eli came and tortured us." So okay. um, anyway, plagiarism. Plagiarism. I'm crediting him now exclusively um, on no suppression. <laughs> welcome, um, but. What I'm saying is also, well, what he said, is that uh, Paul Perkins needs to not be playing and that or- Orleans Darkwell needs to be in um, because he's a fan favorite. And also the fact that he like wants, he looks like he wants to be there, but I don't necessarily agree with what he said there. Um, I still think that Paul Perkins has potential. I, I agree with that. I, I think he does really? have a potential. My, uh, my brother's point was that he has terrible ball carry vision. He compared him to Trent Richardson. Ooh, um, okay. Which I think is a fair point to make at this point, but not something you want to hear. Well, it's not something you want to hear. But also, I think that gets uh, that instantly can be fixed by better line play because you look at Eric Flowers every play he's getting beat, even when it's not when he's not dropping into a pass protection. If he's trying to organize for a run protect or for a, like run blocking, mm-hmm. he's still making the exact same mistakes, running into his own guys. And Paul Perkins has nowhere to go, and eventually he he has run into like his lineman a few times. That happens. Yep. Just because well, of how terrible the line is. The viable solution for the Giants regarding their their poor line is that 
Um, if you like in two, for instance, Tom Brady had a pretty poor offensive line. I believe it was 2011 that year they played the Giants because I think they had I think they had a couple of injuries and their line just wasn't solid. Yeah. And the Giants have Shane Green. And yeah, they do have Shane Green. A guy that but he you should utilize in quick passes a lot of the time. When he was with Brady, Brady just constantly was like a snap dump pass, like. And it's, and it's good for a couple of yards. Although, and that opens up a lot of other opportunities to maybe then run the ball in because of James Ray, anticipating the short path. So if you run like a two two running back formation and you start using Shane Vereen for what he's for what he's worth, I think you can open up the running game a little more and potentially help out your line a little bit. And I don't think they're doing that enough at all. Actually. Okay. Well, while I agree with the concept of that, the thing is that the Giants are, like, usually more screen guys. I mean, like, while that could, like, work if you have them, like, run a quick two-yard sl- two slant or something like that, that's, like, Brady was used to having a guy like that. He had Wes Welker before, and he, you know, he's used to having that kind of quick guy. It's the same way they use, um, what is it, uh, is it James? James no, not, not James White. I'm thinking Deion Lewis. Um, or, no, I am thinking James White. Either way, same idea. Um, they have guys coming same out of the backfield, <laughs> pretty much. So... Brady, like, and the Patriots offense is uh, more accustomed to having, like, guys coming out of the backfield, catching these quick, uh, like, passes, like, out to the right side of the field or something and just taking it for a quick first down. The Giants don't do that. The Giants, for some reason, love throwing, like, 40-yard bombs to tight ends or, like, overthrowing Brandon Marshall on the sideline or, uh, like, weird underthrown unders to Sterling Shepard, and I'm not sure why. Um, They keep on running the exact same plays. He needs to stop play calling. He really needs to stop play calling. Because I, like, I, I think it would help. I don't know how much it can hurt. I don't know if it could hurt, if that's possible. If, like, he just needs to not... He, I, I, just do something other than, like, I don't know, grease your hair. What are you doing? <laughs> grease Dude, your do hair. do something other than whatever you've been doing. Because <laughs> it is clearly not working. Yeah. Do not that. Do not that. Do whatever you've been doing the opposite of. Yeah. All right. All right, so that's going to bring us to me. Uh, the winner of the week for me, I, I had two actually. I already said one was Sam Presti, who always makes phenomenal trades, and today was no different from that. He totally fleeced the Knicks, traded Cantor, Doug McDermott, and a second-round pick for Carmelo Anthony. I already said that. And my other... That, that was what happened. And the other... <laughs> winner for me is Carmelo Anthony himself, who has been stuck in an awful system for probably five years now, I'd say. Um, Just no shot of winning, playing for the worst executive in the NBA, who's now also gone. That's obviously Phil Jackson, if anybody didn't know. But for a long time, he's been thinking, I'm never going to even make the playoffs again let alone have a chance at a ring. And while I still kind of don't think anybody outside of the Bay has an actual chance to get a ring, he's at least a contender now. I, I agree with that. Yeah. I think the Thunder look pretty good. I mean, that's a scary threesome right there of, uh, mm-hmm. of Russ, Paul, George, and Carmelo. They're the very probably least, the second-best team now in the West, I'd say. Second uh, or third. Yeah, I'd I mean, say that's, that's arguable. The Paul George trade probably put him in, into the top four, and then the Carmelo yeah. trade maybe top three, too. I mean, I think I, I'd rather have 
a core of Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, and Paul George than Chris Paul and James Harden, personally. I, I, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I think so Melo is a more, well, I mean, Harden and Melo have similar skills of, like, mm-hmm. not too much defense and fantastic right. shooting. Um, I would also take that team over San Antonio. I mean, I would take San Antonio's coach over Billy Donovan, but... Well. I mean, no. no, he's done great, but Greg Popovich is like one of the best coaches ever. What are you saying, Liam? I don't think San Antonio will be that great this year. I think they're going to be a mid tier Western team. A mid tier is in like I mean, four seed, five playoffs, seed? Sure. Right. I mean, they have the core to make playoffs, but I, I, they're not a serious competitor. No, they've lost, like, I feel like they've lost so much firepower just because of old age. Right. I mean, Tony Parker, is he, he's still in the league, right? Oh, yeah, he's right. like 33. How many, how many more years does he have? He's, he's not the same as he was in, say, 2014, right? Maybe 2013. This is kind of a weird statement to say, but I don't think Rudy Gay is a winner. He's never, ever been on a good team. And he, right. he always, like, takes a ton of shots and doesn't really fire him, you know? It's like, I think he's a solid, like, player. Like, I think he's got a good skill set. Mm-hmm. But I, for me, honestly, and you're not going to like this with the argument that's going, I think he's very similar to Melo. He's obviously not as good as Melo, but they're, 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 they're a similar type of player. And honestly, I don't think Melo makes OKC the number two team in the last. Who do you I think, think is? Mello is good, but I think you have now three players that normally shoot the ball 20-plus times a game. Right. So it worked for the Warriors, but the Warriors also have more facilitators in that, in that lineup. Uh-huh. Now you have Russell Westbrook, who, while he's a great facilitator, turns the ball over a lot. You have Carmelo Anthony, who shoots the ball 20-plus times a game. Mm-hmm. Paul, George, Paul George could be a facilitator. But once you get past those three they're not that deep. They really aren't. Stephen Adams is good, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, their bench isn't that great. Um, and I think chemistry is going to be the big question for this Oklahoma City team. Westbrook's turnovers were largely due to, I think, one, the team not being able to really build around him in like the two month span after Kevin Durant signed elsewhere. I mean, for that whole year, he was kind of playing in their system, and then this off season was always thought of kind of the time where Presti and Billy Donovan were going to kind of base the rest of the team around him. So I think playing in a system he's more comfortable with, with a lower usage rate also because of they'll have Paul George and Carmelo Anthony now. So obviously he, he's not going to be shooting it as much. His usage rate isn't going to be like... 60% or whatever the insane number that it was last year during the first round. Um, I think that'll definitely cut down on his turnovers a lot. Um, but yeah, definitely chemistry is the biggest thing for that team. I think if he can work well with Paul George like he did with KD, I mean, off the field or off the court issues aside, if those two can work well together and then. Carmelo Anthony can be Carmelo Anthony, basically. I think that that team could be very, very good. And off the bench, I, I don't think that they're that bad. Um, Abrinas can shoot for sure. He's looking very good. Um, he just transferred over from Europe last year. He 
played pretty well, and he'll develop more this year. Um, Patrick Patterson just got signed, a solid big man. Oh, he's my um, favorite cornerback for the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> yeah. Um, Josh Gordon, too, so he can spread the court. Yeah, for sure. Um, Losing Cantor's going to be tough, though, because he was a great. Uh, like, he was good, but towards like the end of last year, he was just a contract that couldn't play any defense. Um, his offense wasn't what it once was, and down the line last year, they literally had to sit him. Like He wasn't even usable. So, honestly, getting rid of Cantor, some people see it as a salary dump in which they got Carmelo Anthony for, which is also kind of what they did with Oladipo getting Paul George. So, I, I mean, those two moves are kind of anomalies honestly in how well they're going to work for the team. Right. Right, right, right. Absolutely. They got two borderline superstars and they dumped salary from two players who weren't really living up to the contracts that they had there. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, and then off the bench also, Felton, I mean, whatever, decent backup point guard. Um, Jeremy Grant is a very solid player. I think that that team does have depth. I don't think that they can take down the Warriors in a seven-game series. I don't think anybody can or ever will be able to while they have that prime as it is now. But I do think that that team will definitely compete at least. So, real quick, how do you see um, Paul George and Carmelo Anthony working together? Because, I mean, we have uh, – at least Russell Westbrook is a point guard by definition or by right. name. I mean, in name, maybe not by play last mm-hmm. year at least. Um, but at least he knows, like, how to move the ball around. He averaged, obviously, over 10 assists a game last year. So, right. Paul George, I just looked it up, averaged 3.3. So, Paul George and Carmelo Anthony are not guys who are used to sharing the ball right. at all. Mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook, we've seen how he does when he doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. So, at least Russell Westbrook knows that kind of it's part of his job. Right. So, how does it work with Paul George and Carmelo Anthony working together on the floor? I think... It's a great question. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I think Russell Westbrook is going to try to have a similar thing with Paul George as he did with KD. Okay. I mean, obviously, it won't be the exact same thing. Well, they KD are is slightly different first players. ballot Hall of Famer already. Of course. Paul George, of course. Paul George, I mean, line. yeah, but Paul George will. General. He's, yeah, I mean, we'll see more from him. Um, yeah, he's still young. Both of those players, though, years. Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, can play the three and the four. Paul George can also play the two. He's very versatile. Right. They can really have that lineup going in any sorts of ways, but from what I've seen so far, what they're probably going to do is have Russell Westbrook at the one, obviously, um, Robertson at the two, Robertson, sorry, um, Paul George at the three, Carmelo at the four, Steve Adams at the five. Um, You're starting Carmelo at the four? That's what I, what I'm seeing. I would, I would argue that you should have George at the two, Melo at the three. I think he's a better small forward than he is a power forward. And then... I mean, yeah, Andre Roberson's great on defense. He can't really play offense. That's always been right, that's his why I have him as a really good bench player. Right, and he's a great crunch time player. Like, if we have We're to lock down somebody, we can put Andre yeah. Roberson out there with the best scorers, Westbrook, George, Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. But 
And Where's the defense coming from on this team, though? That's the thing. Because you have Jeremy again, Grant, yeah, Stephen Adams, sure, Russell, Russell Westbrook like, can play defense. He just kind of chose not to last year. Yeah, um, well, obviously, was, his mind was on <laughs> averaging a triple double. So right, no, he, he's <laughs> not going to do that this year. Um, yeah, Paul George can play defense. Carmelo isn't the best at it. Um, no, he's not. But although Melo does have a veteran presence that's going to, I think, help maybe facilitate some of the younger guys mm-hmm. to realize like their positions on the court, try to like figure out how to move around, right? Like get deal with having or being on a team now. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, this is a team that had one option last year. Now they have three All Stars, right? So absolutely. and like this is going to be a team that I think is going to be interesting. I don't mm-hmm. know if they can beat the Spurs though. Yeah. Okay. Um, to answer though, I think Roberson's going. To handle a lot of the perimeter defense, he's going to lock down superstars. He's going to play the role that he has been for like two, three years now. Okay. Um, Westbrook's probably not going to be crashing boards as much now. I'd I would imagine. I would hope not. At yeah. least he should play more perimeter defense as well. Help right. out Andre Roberson there. Uh, well, who else is going to get rebounds? Oh, you got I'll, Paul George back. I'll there. keep going. I mean, he can get boards. Carmelo can get boards. Also. Uh, down low, <laughs> Steven Adams, you have him. He's one of the most aggressive players in the entire league. Like he, he will fight for boards. He will play defense. And we also have Jeremy Grant, who I could absolutely see filling Serge Ibaka's role. He's one of the better post defenders in the game right now. I think... Uh, Real quick, I just want to point out, uh, mm-hmm. Carmelo has averaged 1.8 offensive rebounds per game for his career. And uh, Russell is averaging 1.7. Paul George is at 0.9 on offensive boards, mm-hmm. and I like that's. I think it, that's it just kind of shows partially that due to the fact that he's played the two for yeah. part of his career, and also he's played on teams with Roy Hibbert. Uh, that's true. Miles Turner. He's played with some pretty s- solid <laughs> rebounding centers, yeah. and Carmelo has not really. I mean, Joe Kim knows. Even then, he's still averaging. Like, I, I, I mean, I personally don't like Tyson Chandler. Sure, that's yeah, true. T- I, um, I, I miss Tyson. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> um, yeah, and the Thunder have never had like a huge rebounding presence. Like Kendrick Perkins would just kind of scowl and then punch people in the face. <laughs> Serge Ibaka could play defense, but he was never a great rebounder. Russell Westbrook has always kind of had to help out down low. I think that'll still probably be the case for part of this year. Right. But, but Serge Ibaka always had a presence on the inside, no matter whether he was getting of course. boards or not. And so, I mean, that's, like, right. Russell, not so much. He can when he, like, puts in the effort to, but usually he's also, like, trying to not head back down mm-hmm. court and cherry pick, whatever. Right. But more of just, like, trying to see how, like, like manage to get a fast break right. off of any kind of turnover that he can manage. And by doing that, or in order to do that, he stays away from it. Right, well, that was the reason that they actually traded Serge Ibaka, was because... Right. In his prime, he was this great lockdown post defender who would block like eight shots per game. Yeah. But a lot of that was due to the fact that Kendrick Perkins could protect the rim, which gave Abaka the chance to roam out and block shots. As soon as Kendrick Perkins got cut, they got Steven Adams in there, who was a rookie. Abaka couldn't do that as much. He had to play more defense down low that didn't revolve around the blocks and on offense I don't know why but he just kind of turned into a bad version of Kevin Love who would shoot threes never make them and he just ended up being kind of useless which is why I was shocked when they traded him for Oladipo Sabonis and um uh who else did they get Ilyasova and 
Ilyasova ended up being traded for Jeremy Grant as long as as well as a first round pick, and then obviously those other two were traded for Paul George, which I think is phenomenal managerial work. Um, looking at it though, hopefully Grant can fill Ibaka's role without ending up as a terrible Kevin Love. Um, hopefully Stephen Adams can lock down the basket or progress more at being able to do that and hopefully that that team will have good chemistry on both sides of the ball that's really the end of my rant there I, I guess but that's what you, I'm hoping uh, for I have kind of an interesting question how sure. do you think that OKC stacks up against Minnesota I think Minnesota's good this year. I will be really good this year I agree with you I think that they're going to be a top probably five seed in the West. I think that they have a very, very good starting lineup. I don't know how good their bench is, but they do have... It's decent. It's decent, okay. They do have Teague, Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, and... That's a scary Taj combination. Gibson right Taj Gibson, there. oh, Between geez. Wiggins, KT, and Jimmy Butler, I mean, that's... Yeah. And, I mean, Jamal Crawford is... Yeah, Jamal pretty good. Crawford, Jeff, I mean, I like Jeff Teague also. Mm-hmm. I think Jeff Teague is pretty like surprisingly dynamic for a guy like how he or yeah. for that kind of player. Um, I think they're but, also kind yeah. of a question of both chemistry and development. I'm I'm very very confident that both Cat and Wiggins will be able to develop well. Probably Cat even more so. Um, I also but, just realized that the Timberwolves have four players who are younger than my brother, which is really cool. That is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, they're another team whose chemistry will have to be proven. Um, as of right now, I'm probably taking the Thunder over them for now. But I think if Wiggins and Towns progress into, like, top five, top three players at their positions, you could already argue that Towns is there. Right. Um, then I think that that's a different story and that – they could be potentially title contenders. Now, I've said that the Timberwolves will be good every year for like three years now, and they've always been absolute trash. Um, this year's different, though. Yeah, you cannot compare this year to. Previous no, I mean, seasons. you thought that they'd the be decent, and Butler then they've been himself. terrible. I mean, yeah. I don't know how the acquisitions of Butler and Teague are going, to, and Tosh Gibson are going to play out for them. I think that they'll probably be fine. But yeah, no, they're in similar positions, and I want to see how their chemistry and talent can mix up with each other, really. That's the yeah. same thing for me. Um, all right. The loser of the week for me, stick to sports Twitter. <laughs> because whenever you see a professional athlete or commentator, really, like Jameel Hill, um, voicing their political beliefs, you'll see, like, Ted from Kansas with a with an American flag profile picture and his bio dedicated to how much he loves his wife will come into their mentions and be like this is not why I follow you stick to sports this is like leave this to the experts like Jimmy Kimmel's actually seeing that now a lot too but those people must have had an absolute fit when they saw the NFL and the NBA, like, all of the top players simultaneously roasting Donald Trump today. Yeah. (laughs) They must have had a heart attack, honestly. Like, most of those people are probably 65 and fat. I don't know how they made it. (laughs) 
a very good this point. This is just something that drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Because isn't our country's foundation built upon everyone being able to express their views? Exactly. So how is it that only politicians and, quote, the expert... I wouldn't call Donald Trump an expert at anything besides making money and eating. And so, sexual assault. <laughs> I wouldn't even call him an expert in making money. <laughs> yeah, true. I, well, he, he's led four companies through bankruptcy, but then somehow, I mean, he's going to make himself money, not mm-hmm. Um, But at the end of the day, like, come on now. like, So these people are almost contradicting themselves because they're telling the sports people not to voice their opinions about politics. Meanwhile, they're telling the people in sports about their put how they view the situation even right. though they work at Best Buy. So <laughs> really just having a, ha- a, tar- a tough time like con- like just like sorting this out because it really mm-hmm. just drives me crazy. Right. And they're all, the, all most of the people that are tweeting, you know, stick to sport, do this, do that, are people that have nothing to do with politics. So why do they get to shine? Right. I think that if somebody has a public platform, they should absolutely use that to voice their their outrage with injustice, especially in a time like this. And when you have Trump out here saying that Charlottesville Nazis are very fine people, and then he calls Kaepernick and the other Anthem protesters sons of bitches, I think at best you have a double standard, and at worst you have severe um Controversy. Prejudice. Racial prejudice. Not controversy. Uh, I think that, yeah, I would absolutely lean to racial prejudice being the reason that he says things like that. And in the NBA, you have a predominantly black league, and when that happens, you're going to get a lot of heat from that. You know, also LeBron James got like a million likes on his tweet today. Uh, mm-hmm. People are standing behind Steph Curry, uh, Chris Paul. A statement. I don't know yeah, 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 yeah. I saw it's, that. It's great. It, it is um, 150% a race thing because mm-hmm. Tom Brady didn't go to the White House and you didn't hear two things about it. Right. Yep. And they're supposed and to be friends. Brady, so that's, you know. For not going to the White House. Mm-hmm. But there's such a double standard in this country it is act- actually appalling. Most it really people is. People that get offended by people who sit during the national anthem are what white christians right who stand is that fair to say the people who are getting mad at people for kneeling yes are yes mostly white christians or protestants right yes and the most sacred thing they can do is kneel when they pray well, when they <laughs> kneel for the national anthem oh my god <laughs> what are you doing what is that right right but these people are protesting real issues that happen day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And they're kneeling because their people are being oppressed and they're dying on a daily basis because of white supremacy. And people are always throwing around this white supremacy thing loosely, and a lot of people misinterpret the true definition of it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if you're going to sit here and tell me that there's not white supremacy in America, you're absolutely crazy. Absolutely. I don't think anyone's saying that. No. <laughs> a lot of not on this podcast, at least. so many people saying that. Well, no, no. He means like the I mean, four of us. He yeah. means us, just us. So there's absolutely uh, probably yeah. the majority of, of people out there who would say that. Yeah. And also, I, w- I want to point out if 
Facet wasn't busy running from his hurricane, he would be here giving a garbage take right now. <laughs> so. I bet he's tuning in from his wrath in the Bermuda. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But no, yeah, and. I'm going off right now, both of you, about something that's probably irrelevant to like the fullest extreme. He'd probably be talking about Hillary Clinton. Or, <laughs> he definitely would. Or, like, how the reptiles own the banks or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> or that's more of Steve, actually. Our friends are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, moving on from that. Um, the moron of the week for me, it, there's actually two, and it's two people whose social media presences... I saw that. Uh, Did you see this? Have been, yep. Have been absolutely lambasted. Lambasted. <laughs> uh, uh, no. Ever since our last podcast, the first of which is Ted Cruz, who was quite literally caught jerking off on Twitter on nine eleven. <laughs> on nine eleven, and the, the second one is Kevin Durant, who was caught metaphorically jerking off on Twitter. <laughs> you stroking something? That's for sure. Oh my god. <laughs> That was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I just want to see just like <laughs> Kevin Durant forgets to log out of Twitter. <laughs> I was like, wait, why is that news? I want to <laughs> say if a bunch of suspicious Twitter accounts start tweeting at Trump today saying how great Steph Curry is, I think I know why. <laughs> but yeah, if anybody doesn't know, Kevin Durant was caught using fake Twitter accounts to push his ridiculous agenda that he's been using on the bottoms of his sneakers and through his Twitter account, which apparently wasn't enough, and Ted Cruz got caught favoriting porn on yep. 9-11. Which was amazing. <laughs> so, um, those are my two losers. Does anybody have anything to say about those two? Yeah, real quick. Um, do you think any of what Katie said was true? No. Really? No. You think any of it was on the players? you think he just wanted a, chain, or, uh, a ring? What do you mean? Like, because what did he say? He was like, he was sick of, like, the coaches and, like, the players and, like, all this other stuff not giving him opportunities or something like that. He said... There are 29 other teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he said Billy Donovan was, like, not the best coach and that the roster that they have wasn't all that good. Yeah. I think neither of those things are true. I think Billy Donovan's a great coach, and I also think the roster that they had did have a 3-1 lead on the Warriors and probably would have won the championship had Kevin Durant himself not played, like, absolute trash during Game 6. Also, Clay Thompson had an out-of-body experience in that game. I don't <laughs> want to take anything away from him. That game will haunt me in my dreams for the rest of my life. But, yeah, no, I, I blame Kevin Durant for that team not winning, and I... I think that it was just a pretty selfish call to go to the real, team that beat them. Real quick, what he wrote exactly was he didn't like the organization or playing for Billy Donovan. His roster wasn't that good. It was just him and Russ. I don't think it's fair to call out Billy Donovan there on a lack of talent. I think that's more of uh, of a front office kind of thing. I think that's if that's honestly the problem, then talk to mm-hmm. like the people who run the team then. Say, like, mm-hmm. look, we need some kind of help here. Get us some talent. Make trades. Do something. Don't go to the team that just won 73 games. Yeah, and I also don't think that it's fair to say that Andre Roberson didn't have an impact on that team, that Steven Adams wasn't playing some of the best basketball that we've seen from a center in the past (coughs) 
like five, ten years during those playoffs, and to say that Cantor wasn't playing well, to say that all of those players weren't doing their thing, because that team looked perfect, essentially, through the first, like, two, three rounds, up yep. until game five of the Western Conference Finals, where... This is 2016 or 15, what are you talking about? 16, okay. where yeah. Kevin Durant and partially Russell Westbrook, too, just started playing very badly, really screwed themselves over down the stretch and honestly had a chance to take over the NBA until KD decided to leave. I also want to point out that before KD left, Sabonis and Oladipo were already on that team, so had he signed there, they could still have Paul George on that team now. They could have Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and Paul George. I don't know if it would have happened that way, but it's theoretically possible. Those players would have been there. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, I think that his, his uh Also, real his quick, call there in the 2015-16 playoffs, uh, Russell averaged 11 assists a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, like, clearly the ball is being spread around. If Russell Westbrook is the one who's not holding onto the ball, I'm assuming probably half of that were assists to KD. But yeah. at the same time, like, you can't say that there was absolutely zero talent on that team. No, yeah, it's true that they would not have won, what did they win, like 50-something games that year? I Probably, think like, I think they went 60-22. and 22. Okay. I don't know. Still, I think it's fair that if you say that if Russell wasn't on that team, you win maybe 50-40 something, if it's just KD, if you take KD 52, off, you probably around the same thing. Yeah. So, I I don't know, it's just, it's... It's a very weak move for him to call out yeah, Billy Donovan and the team. He averaged his triple double this year. Like, what if Westbrook was on the team this year? Even without, they would have had like, the number one pick most likely. If Russell Westbrook didn't play this year, that team would have won twenty-eight games probably. That so team like, would <laughs> probably have Markel Fultz right now if Russell Westbrook <laughs> didn't play. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if, if that's true. That's probably an exaggeration, but still, still I mean, no, he was he was that team and he doesn't have to be now hopefully there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of guys on that team is that going to change him anything but yes I don't nobody's going to expect him to have a triple-double I think he'll he'll partially try to go back to how he was pre Kevin Durant's departure I think he'll I mean in a sense, I do. Um, I think that this year was great for him, so he can see what he could truly be by himself. But that team can't win with only him, especially not in today's league. You know, back in like 2001, uh, the 76ers could win. Thunder won 55 with only, games in okay. 2015 16. Yeah, but like in 2001. Allen Iverson could take the Sixers to a championship, but in the super team era now, they have Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony, and some people don't even think that they'll be like a top three or four seed this year. I think that it's going to be... I mean, they will be, I think, but you can't do what you used to be able to with only one player. Well, alright, here's another thing. You, like... I'm not going to say you forget, but there's also the LeBron fact that, James can. <laughs> well, yeah. But the NBA is a team of, like, or is a league of dynasties. Mm-hmm. So you have tons of, and tons of examples of teams winning right. two in a row. Right. Three in a row. It happens a lot. That's like, that's I how know the NBA is always. I know what you're going to ask me, and uh, 
the answer is the impact of free agency. Okay. <coughs> like, you don't see, like, the OG Celtics, OG Lakers or anything going out and building up their teams through free agent signings. It wasn't okay. really a thing. Like, now, pretty much LeBron James kind of started that by going over to the yeah. Heat, getting Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. I mean, Dwayne Wade was obviously already on that team, but Chris Bosh, I think, signed. He wasn't traded, and LeBron James obviously yeah. signed. That kind of opened the floodgates for players to go ring-chasing, not really right. worry as much about being loyal. Ring-chasing is also different now where... Also, just to clarify for any listeners who might not have got... I was going to say what... Um, like, why is this kind of different now Right, with this kind of thing? But um, the ring-chaser thing has always been around, but usually it's players who are, like, 35. And mm-hmm. they're like, okay, I've got, like, right. one or two more years left in the league. I've, I've had a borderline Hall of Fame career. David Maybe West, less. for example. David West, perfect example. What he's doing just, now is technically normal. It's just Exactly. Just go to a team that today's you era, he's take a minimum week. contract mm-hmm. and just ride it out. Right. Do what you can. You're at an advanced age in the league. Mm-hmm. There's not much that you can offer a team that isn't a contender. So right. go to a team that you think you can just kind of not exactly coast, but at least have uh, uh, a, a simpler path to a ring. And when it comes down to it, compete for it in the end. But right. um, the difference also is when you have a guy like Kevin Durant, top of his game, top three player in the NBA, mm-hmm. and everyone has said this over the last two years now. But right, it's, it's not a it, it is, a new take. Exactly, <laughs> it's harming the league. You cannot be doing that. Right. And now you have guys like Jimmy Butler and uh, like going to a team like the T Wolves with a Jeff Teague, not to necessarily form a super team there. But that's getting pretty close with another draft pick or two. Maybe mm-hmm. some good signings. Like, that's, you know, a team like the T-Wolves can be on the up, I think, next season. Um, and you have the Celtics now. You have uh, Kyrie Irving going to team up with, I like, with the in- – I mean, Boston this year is going with to be – every exactly. small forward in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, Boston is going to be scary this year. I think they can give the Cavs a good run of their money. Yep. I agree. Um, all right. I guess – the other stuff that I was going for their money, not yeah, money. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other stuff I was going to talk about today was the whole Steph Curry Trump thing, and also the Carmelo trade. But we already kind of covered both of those things. Yeah. So <laughs> if you guys have nothing else to say, we can probably wrap this up. Can I say one thing? Yes. This podcast so long, and I could have been playing Roy the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> playing Roy. Blips and chips. He's taking Roy off the grid. <laughs> this guy doesn't have a social security <laughs> number for Roy. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Shout out to Rick and Morty. Shout out to Rick and Morty. All right, that's probably it for Is us. Is this my platform to do my Rick and Morty impressions? No, absolutely not. <laughs> that fan base is cancer. <laughs> I say being a big part of it. All as, right. as Pickle Rick slowly dies in the background. <laughs> Alright. Yeah, thank you for that example of exactly e- what exactly. I was <laughs> Alright, see you guys next time.